Welcome to Sundays with the Weekend Sober Gals. I'm Katia. And I'm Kim. Join us as we explore different topics each week, ranging from motherhood to parenting to marriage. And we'll talk about personal stories from our past and we'll just explore what it's like to thrive rather than just survive the weekend sober. Every week, every Sunday. You look like you are well, and I'm not. Only because last night my father-in-law told us that he was coming by this morning, and Harper and I have a really busy day, so we have we go to the library usually on Saturdays to read to the therapy dogs, and then from that she has a hair appointment, and I was like, and they're the shelves they're hanging are in here, so I don't want to be like underfoot, so I was like, okay, I'll just get up at my normal time, but like work out right away instead of waiting so I did that and then now I'm not done my makeup but I was doing it before (laughs) yeah that I I mean I okay so this it is so funny how I you know we're like creatures of habit now that we don't drink we have our routine in the evenings in the mornings um so Evan and I don't often go out at night anymore but we it's not like we did anything crazy last night. We just went to dinner and we got home. we were home by nine thirty. But it just really threw me off. And uh, yeah, I just I was so exhausted from socializing. I think from just Ugh. being on. You know, my brain was just mm-hmm. not used to functioning so late at night, and also socializing and talking to other people and having right. to. So it just made me realize, wow, this is what I used to do last night when I was talking to these people and I was starting to, my battery was really running low and I was starting to think, uh-huh. oh, Evan, please just wrap this up, please. <laughs> you know, as we're sitting at the dinner table, <laughs> um, you know, and thankfully these people were not big drinkers. Everyone only had one drink at dinner, you know, and we just, we all had dessert and it was wow. good. But uh, I know it was so weird, but I, I was thinking to myself, okay, you know, as I'm getting really tired, this is, Mm -hmm. this is why I used to drink because I would be like, I need another, I need to keep going. I need another drink to give me that boost to get, you know, to almost like, um, energize me because I would just feel so detached from conversations because I would, Mm -hmm. I'm such an introvert. I'm so, I just need my, I need to go home. Yeah. After a few hours, you know, it's, it's draining. If you're, I don't know, are you like, um, empath or like a sensitive, highly sensitive person? Do you know? Because that for me was what, like, I pick up on other people's energies and like, especially in a bar environment where people are drinking and then they're like masking who they are or they're, you know, their bravado comes out or they, whatever it is. And I just like found it so draining to be around like douchebags or whatever. So I would just like drink because I was like, okay, this way I can tolerate these people. And I know like we talk about that sometimes in sobriety is like we tolerated behaviors and treatment and people that we wouldn't ever dream of tolerating now, you know? And it's just like, how did we do that? Well, we just numbed out so that we didn't focus on how we actually felt about it 
And it's like when you're when you're present to that and your body's saying, hey, aren't we normally like getting ready for bed right now or whatever? And you're sitting there and you're like, 930, I'm getting home. Like I've read like an hour in my book right now and I'm turning up the light, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Oh my gosh, exactly. And you make such a good point about that. I never actually like identify right now is like the first time, like when I've really thought about being an empath, like I know my son is such an empath, like mm -hmm. he and every teacher has always said mm -hmm. that. Um, and I've always just kind of called myself like just really in, in tune with others emotions, but maybe that, right. maybe that makes me an empath. I don't really know. Does that? I have no idea, <laughs> but I just, I, a, I always there's a good book. I'll, I'll, I'll send you after this that will like, it'll just, it's like a starter thing. Cause I didn't know what an empath was either until sobriety until TLC and somebody, they talk about that kind of stuff in the TLC community. And I was like, huh. And there's different types of empaths. So it'll like help you figure out, like, are you like a sensory empath? Like you get overloaded with sensory stuff, which in a bar environment, even a restaurant, there's, you know, lots of lights and lots of people, lots of conversation. You're trying to like tune out the conversation. But if you're like me, we're writers and we're like tuning into conversations, <laughs> eavesdropping a little bit, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. that's so interesting. It's kind of overwhelming. I find that I am always um, analyzing others' behavior and not like analyzing yeah. in a bad way, just thinking to myself, like, I wonder why, and relating it to me almost like, why did she, why is she mm -hmm. feeling that way? Or why is she, um, I don't know. Yeah, it, 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 did I do something to bring that out in her? You know, that's how I used to be. And I feel like I've come a long way with that. Um, so I don't know. I think I, I want to read this book. What's it called? <laughs> it's, um, it's the empath's guide. It's something like the beginner. It's Judith Orloff and she's really awesome. And she's been on a bunch of podcasts. She, she, but she's been around for a long time doing this. It's an orange book and I'll send you a picture of it because it, even if you listen to it, I think if you listen to it, you would get something out of it because it like helps you navigate different situations and to realize like when you're drinking and you're feeling overwhelmed and you can't pinpoint why you start thinking it's something wrong with you. So you're like, I need to change this about me. So I'm going to drink more in this situation so that I can become more tolerable to other people. When the reality is there's nothing wrong with you. This is you being human and how you're built. And, and, and there's just, you're not going to show up in every situation being like all the people around you. But like you said, if you if you really notice and compare yourself to other people around you, then of course you're going to notice the differences and be like, oh, why can't wow. I be like them? Whereas now in sobriety and in our 40s, we're like, we don't give a fuck about, <laughs> about what other yeah. people think of who we are, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you, totally. It's, it's, yeah. So, it's so interesting how that has shifted. Um, wow. And that's a good segue into, actually, that's not a segue at all. I really just am trying to find a segue into our conversation. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's a good segue into next topic. Like, is it? <laughs> I'm like, how can I bridge this gap? <laughs> segue. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me about how you've been 
Emily, how have you been feeling? Sweet Ketsia, how have you been feeling these days, my dear? How many weeks pregnant are you? Well, tomorrow I am 28 weeks, so I'm officially I'm officially the third trimester. Almost. That's well, tomorrow. Yeah. Awesome. So I can't even I can't believe it. It's been a it has been a bumpy road at times, but we it's been, you know, it's been the first trimester and most of the second. No, 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 not most. Like half of the second trimester was pretty hard. Um, just emotionally, it like felt like the roller coaster of early sobriety in some ways. And it really like had me um, just off of my game a lot of days like you said in the beginning when we started talking like about our routines and routine is like a big foundation to my sobriety and to my success in sobriety because I never had a routine well I had routines per se like I had to get my daughter to school at a certain time and I had to pick her up at a certain time but those were all like cast on me me and myself like I didn't care right so pregnancy throws you for this loop where you're like, you don't know from one day to the next, how you're going to sleep that night, how you're going to wake up the next day, how your mental health will be. If like, cause every little thing that would go wrong, like I had bleeding throughout that whole part of my pregnancy for like 12 weeks or something off and on. And it was just so stressful. Cause it was like, you, you just don't, you don't know what's, what's really happening. And, and you kind of like, want the answers because as a sober person now I'm like I can handle I can figure this out like I, I I'm sober I can figure this out and it's like there's not always an answer to to something you know and especially in pregnancy or motherhood or things like that you don't always know the answer you know so it was just like I feel better now um we we got the bassinet set up this week. So we've got that over here in the corner and we like moved out my husband's like um, wow. nightstand. We're still in the apartment till probably this time next year. So we're making it work. <laughs> and um, yeah, so we got that. We're, I did a bunch of decluttering this week. Um, my friend was like, are you nesting? And I'm like, no, I'm literally, and she's like, are you spring cleaning? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just getting rid of a bunch of crap that we need to get rid of to make room for this baby. So I've been doing that this week a little bit and it feels good. That's, wait, so are you guys moving? Well, we're going to buy a house, but not till this time next year. So we're not moving now, but we had to move some stuff into storage at my in-laws because we won't have room for everything here. So it, we we had hoped to be in a house around this time. And then with the interest rates, the down payment that we need, all of that stuff just ha didn't line up to, unless my husband was going to like work himself into an early grave, which he already works like 70 hours a week. And I was like, I just, I want him, I'd rather he's around for that first year of our son's life, as opposed to working like his full-time career job plus a weekend job like he was just burnt out he was doing that he just finished his weekend job this is his first free weekend actually <laughs> so we're going out for lunch today as a family to like celebrate because he was just like he'd be falling asleep at the computer at like 
at, at the computer here at like 6 p.m. after dinner. And I'm like, that's not fair to him, you know? Oh. So, yeah. So we had to prioritize as a family, like, what do we, what do we want more? And the answer was that we want him around, you know, because he'll be my support in the evenings. Him and Harper can like hold down the fort aside from me feeding baby, obviously, but like to give me a chance to shower or sleep or eat or <laughs> whatever, you know, you don't know what your baby, you know that, like, you don't know what your baby's going to be like. You have three babies. So I'm sure they were all unique in their own way. Right. <laughs> My God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, it's when you talk a lot about routine and mm -hmm. how that grows you, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like you, you finally feel like <laughs> almost like you, you are, you know, you're two years sober. When did you find out you were pregnant? You were just about, you were just short of two years, right? Um, um, no, I was actually just two years. Yeah. We found out like in, uh, end of November. Yeah. So yeah. So two years, but we had had that miscarriage the year before, so we had a miscarriage um, on my 40th birthday in September of that year. Uh, like I'm turning 42 this year. We had had, I got pregnant in that summer and then we had a miscarriage around like eight or nine weeks. Um, that was September, 2021. And after that, uh, it was this whole it was literally the health wise, mental health and physical health, probably the worst year of my life. I mean, I can't compare it to drinking, but I would say like we like I couldn't get my period back. I was given progesterone, which sent my um, body into panic attacks, constant panic attacks all the time. We went to Vegas in February of that follow of last year for our anniversary and on the plane on the way home, I had like a major panic attack on a plane. Imagine you're sitting trapped in a seat in a little tin can. <laughs> like, yeah, I laugh about it now, but it was like, I was like, and the, and the flight attendants were so nice. And like, I'm like box breathing. And I had to take the medication that I had with me. I spent that whole trip taking the medication. And then it like, it just like, it, you want that baby so badly or that pregnancy so badly to happen again. And I started questioning, like, am I in perimenopause? Am I, it was, and, and the answer was like, they should have done a DNC, which is like the, the clearing out of your body or whatever, after you have a miscarriage in some cases, or to, to help it along. I had a natural miscarriage and we never did it and we should have. And, we didn't do it until August of this past year. I had the surgery to do it. Um, and thank goodness to my doctor at like my OB that I found last summer, I found her just kind of by accident. And she, she was like, we need to do this. We need to get it to an optimal. She goes, I'm going to get you pregnant. <laughs> we did the surgery in August and she said, okay, we'll do the surgery and I'll give you two rounds of something called letrozole, which stimulates ovulation. Cause I hadn't had a period in that whole, almost a year. And she gave me 
three rounds of it because she's not a fertility doctor. She is just a, and during that time, speaking of fertility, we, we had gone to Shady Grove, at, which is a fertility clinic, like a national fertility clinic. And we were, we weren't in a position to do IVF, but we're like, do we do IUI? It was very, if, if you, if anyone listening has ever been to a fertility clinic, like it is, that is an emotional um, minefield because you just, it's all the money that they want. Plus you're kind of like this number in this, like, I just didn't feel that they really cared. And long story short, she did the, the surgery and it was a success. The surgery was a su success. And then we did the first month of the um, letrozole. I went in, got my levels tested. I hadn't ovulated. I was like, okay, we have two more months and did the second month. And I could tell that I had ovulated. I was like, sweet. Went in and I had, and we- Wait, how, how, could you how could you tell? Well, I could tell in my body because I hadn't, you know, leading up to your period. And if you hadn't, if I hadn't had that in a year, then without getting like gory details, but you just know, right? And I was wow. like, because I just- Come on, I, tell me it all. I want to know all the details. <laughs> I felt so- like you just felt, you just felt, yeah you just felt different yeah yeah okay got I it felt, i felt very i felt very different and i knew and i thought okay so like of course i had my husband on this like leash of like okay as soon as i tell you that we have to have sex we're doing it now right and so he was like okay <laughs> so like that you know that week i was like okay you got to be home from work you got to like whatever you know make sure that you're available <laughs> And so he was, and he, but he, okay. So speaking of that though, the toll that it takes on your marriage, we were in our first yeah. two years of marriage too. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, we, Harper and I immigrated to the States in December, 2020. We had the, we got pregnant in the summer of 2021, had the miscarriage September, 2021, went through all this hell in 2022, finally got pregnant and confirmed in November of 2022. And now he's due at the end of July. So it's like, but it's just like, of course, when you're pregnant at this age, the other thing is they consider you um, advanced maternal age. So I get to have like 20 gajillion ultrasounds, <laughs> which is great, but also- yeah. To me, it's so funny because I'm healthier now than when I was pregnant with Harper. Now, I was not, I didn't drink during my pregnancy with her. I quit drinking, but I wasn't sober. And sobriety, like, is such a mindset. It's such a mental thing. I didn't have that mental fortitude that I have now, plus having been through all the crap with not having my period and with questioning whether we could ever get pregnant. I couldn't have done that if I wasn't sober because it was just like... It, it it like makes you question you yourself as a person, you know? And so I had to really dig deep to be like, I, there is nothing flawed or wrong with me. Like I, I am good exactly the way I am. And we had to, we had almost come to terms with the fact that we, like James was like, my husband was like, you will, all I want is for us to be married. And this is all I've wanted my whole life is to find a partner and I'll be okay if we don't have a kid. And I was like, and I was like, I won't be okay. And then I had finally like been like, okay, we ha I have to get 
I have to get through this. And I did. And then we had, and I was scared of that surgery too. I was like, this is, so it's like a, a little surgery, but I'm terrified of um, being put under now ever since I got sober. I don't know what it is. I just, I, I love my life. And I'm like, it's crazy. I'm like, I don't want to die. And people are like, you're not going to die when you get put under. And I'm like, I don't know what happens. <laughs> well, I, I mean, this is, it, it truly is such an incredible story. And I'm so happy for you, Katia. This is, Thank it's you. really amazing. And I, and I have to say that you're right. And, and the, the struggle that it, it took for you guys to conceive in that year, um, be, you know, early marriage, it is, I don't, I don't know what it is like to, to do that, to, un, you know, to, to struggle to conceive like that. And, but I do know what it is like to, um, to drink, to avoid difficulties in my marriage and right. fight with my husband and to then go drink, to avoid dealing with him. And mm -hmm. so I think that in that year that you were struggling with him to, you know, with your mm -hmm. husband to conceive, I think that if you guys had been, or if you had been drinking during that year, it would have been so difficult for the two of you in that early yeah. stages of marriage, you know, like, can you imagine? Because I know we, <clears throat> that we just would wouldn't have, have helped. I don't, no. And I don't. Honestly, we we talk about it sometimes. Is like I I would get really mean to him when when I was drinking. Not all the time, but sometimes. And and I'm just like a much more tolerant, patient person. And I don't mean that he is intolerable or anything like that. It's it's me. Like I am just an impatient, very high standard kind of person, right? With certain things. And I think. I just would nitpick on him about all sorts of things. And I know for sure a lot of friends, not a lot, we don't have a lot of friends that have been through this, but we have a, a friend in particular, one of his friends at work who is going through uh, the post miscarriage stuff right now. And it has almost broken their marriage and they've been married for seven or eight years, <laughs> you know? And yeah. so I don't say that lightly, but it's like, I don't think if I wasn't doing all the inner work that I had been doing in sobriety at that time and really um, getting to the essence of what makes me a human and a worthy human and um, capable and able to show up exactly as I am. If I didn't know those things about myself, I would, I would really probably be turning to something I'm not, I don't want to say I would relapse. I don't, I don't know for sure. But if I was drinking, I, it would have escalated for sure. And I probably would have gotten more secretive again, because, you know, you try to keep up appearances like, oh, I'm okay. And I would just, he didn't know the mental weight of drinking. And I don't think, you know, I don't think Evan knew that totally about he would see you struggling but he didn't realize like every morning you would just be like in a pit of despair about like today please just don't let me drink a lot today you know that yeah. kind of battle yeah yeah and oh my gosh right I mean and then add that on top of the things you were feeling in that year can you imagine I just think well I just to, 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 well and to think that you're going through 
perimenopause, which is a huge shift in a woman's life anyway. And, and kudos to anyone who's listening, who's trying to get sober in their forties or fifties as women, like that is not easy. That is not easy. And it, it really, um, requires a lot of, um, humility, you know, you kind of just have to understand, like, there was some days when I was having back to back panic attacks, and I didn't know how to stop them. And that is, um, that can happen in perimenopause too, when your hormones change, so much is influenced by our hormones and, and drinking does not help alcohol does not help that at all. You know, you might feel like it helps in the moment, but it, it really actually makes things worse because you're so out of balance internally. And you know, and just thinking that I was in that stage and then being like, we missed the boat because we were supposed to immigrate sooner and then COVID happened and then we didn't. And that that period from the spring of 2020 to December when we immigrated was when my drinking was the worst. I only quit a month before, well, a month and no, two months, I guess, a month and a half before we moved here, you know? So yeah. it's just like, I just think about all the things that I feel so grateful that things unfolded, but it, it does, you carry the, the little tears of all those little tiny um, grief and trauma, you know, situations, you carry those with you into the pregnancy. So I've been like on edge a lot of the pregnancy. I, I've texted you before and said like, I can't, I can't record today. Like I'm just in like a anxiety panic mode. And luckily you totally understand. And you're just like, that's fine. Like, okay. Like, don't worry about it. Cause you've been there too, you know, but yeah. it is, it is hard. So I'm just like counting down. I feel the baby popped this week. So I feel like my belly's like <laughs> round now. And I'm just like, how do we get like 12 more weeks of growth in there? You know, I was all I I care with Harper. I carried like this huge like from behind. You didn't really couldn't really tell I was pregnant. From the front, it was like a huge bump. So I'm like, oh my god, we're in that. I know we talked about we talked about this. Like we, I was the same way. Like huge <laughs> beach ball. Like it wasn't like a cute little basketball. I was like a massive freaking <laughs> yes. beach ball. Yeah, mm -hmm. with every kid. Totally. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, I'm so I'm so excited. I cannot wait to meet this child in 12 weeks um i'm so happy you. i'm so happy this is you know good things come to you know those who work for it and deserve it and you know i i think that you you know i can't wait for you for all that is in store for you and um i think this is a really i think your story will resonate with a lot of people and not a lot of people will share what they've been through because yeah. it's difficult, it's painful. And I think that it's important to talk about yeah. just like sobriety is and um, all that we've been through. So thank you well, for sharing it. It's and I think, to talk yeah. And I think the, um, through this whole process, there was a book, like I had started wanting to work on a memoir before I ever got pregnant the first time. And this whole experience shifted the book that I need to write, you know, it, it like, it, it still comes from a place of memoir, but there's so many little stories and vignettes and 
things within the story that I couldn't I could no longer write it as like a linear chapter kind of book anymore. It's kind of looking more like like I'm reading um, Maggie Smith's You Can Make This Place Beautiful and, and just the way that she, and she's a poet, but the way that she lays out these little vignettes that chronicle her divorce and stuff. But and so there is like a, 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 a chronological thread, but it's kind of this braided like narrative of all these little things. And I'm like, so it was such as a writer, it was like such a um, enlightening realization in the last year or so. And I'm like, this is the book that I need to write. And so it kind of shifted things and um, it gave me an outlet again, because I've shared very so openly, just like you have about sobriety. And I'm like, this is now a part of my story as well is like there's going to be other struggles that you go through i had the, the worst year of my life in sobriety so being sober didn't didn't um change that but it certainly helped me to um to weather Navigate. that yeah. yeah 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 so yeah anyway awesome. if that gives someone hope then that's all that matters because I'm always a I'm always an open book. If anyone wants to talk about what they're going through, you know, I I'm here. I don't know. I'm not an expert on anything, but maybe maybe I can help with a little bit. So, thanks for asking me about this. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, that's I'm glad I'm glad that you shared it. So thank you. Thanks. Um, and we hope you all have a wonderful weekend sober. And uh, yeah, let us know if you have any thoughts for Ketia or questions. Sure. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs>